5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Oh, there we go, Ben. I love it. Mike Houston would like it. Let this go for football. Ah, let this go for a minute. This is this is too good. Who wants to hear me? We can hear this. show here. Ben Byram, at times a little cynical, right? Hey, you said it, not me. I, I disagree <laughs> with that. How about leery? Sometimes a little leery. I don't know a what pin- that means, so I'll take a, it. It's a, it's a less degree, I would say, of cynical. Uh, but you, you're not one to be shy of an opinion, right? That's true. And that's I, true. I have plenty of them. <laughs> I like to make them known. Right. And even you kind of like that song, right? That, that's a good song. Yeah. That's a fun that song. Is a, that's still a good song, isn't it? I don't see how anybody can't can hate on it. Right. Courtney was into it, right? Oh, yeah. She's into it. Okay. She's you like that, Courtney? Okay. Intern Courtney in today. Ben Byron, by the way. Uh, is with us, so we say hello to hey, man. There we go, little Craig Willard, little Craig Willard. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'll tell you this, and it's very, very uh, interesting. Um, some of the songs that Mike Houston may like, and that maybe are become stadium anthems, like that Bon Jovi song. That's eh, not a good song. Wasn't then, it now. It's not a good. <laughs> I'm not a fan. That there, I could I could listen to on loop. Like, if you played that song, Ben, and we got through it, I might would say, I hey, play it again. Or I would tell the, the you know. I'm not sure if I'll go that far, but hey, you know, everybody's got their taste. Yeah, I'd say Amazon, I'd tell the, the I'd say uh, Alexa or Siri or, or Kate, whoever, whatever, Samantha, Billy, for all I know. Play that again. I, I'd, I'd, sit, I'd, I'd repeat on that one. Is that wrong? Are there songs you re- what are the songs you repeat on? Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, every- what is your repeat song, Ben? My repeat song. Yeah, if you hear it in a setting where you could you know, play it back again, what would you What, what what's your jam? Uh, let's see. My time is now the John Cena theme song. I like to wake up in the morning and uh, play that before I get in the shower. 
Wow. That's it's like, yeah, it's you know it's, it's a good, lot of info. It's a good way to start the day. Okay. Let everybody Courtney, know I'm a gangster. <laughs> Courtney, do you have a repeat song? Like a I will say it does change all the time. So well, yeah. I do not have a definite answer of a repeat song that I listen what's to. Your, what's your repeat jam right now? Um, I would say probably something off the new um, Kanye West album, unfortunately. Whoa! But, okay. yes, it is a very good album. He just dropped it. Okay. Courtney's so basic. Everybody likes that album. That's the, that's I, the hot thing right now. I don't know if everybody likes that album. Really? Well, I, it's that and the Drake album. Ah, true. Yeah, that and the Drake I, album's like the big thing right now. So here, here's what I see with the, here's what I heard with the Kanye thing. Now, and, and this guy probably is uh, politically... Uh, I would say liberal, but he's a he's a longtime music critic, and I heard him Ooh, Kanye. Say, oh, no, 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 no. Music the other critic. guy, <laughs> yeah, the, the the other guy said, or he he isn't down with it, I guess, because some of the people Kanye was associating himself with, which I thought was you know interesting. But hey, I think the guy, I cannot remember his name, but he used to write and cover a lot of hip hop. Ironically enough, it's a white guy. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so that guy. Uh, it was the only one I've heard that said anything right now negative. Everybody, I, you're right, though, Ben. I, there's guys that are like boomers who are down with this Kanye album right now. That seems to be the the thing whenever a Kanye album comes out. It's like the greatest thing ever until the next one comes out. And then my wife's a big Kanye fan, by the way. And then uh, with Drake, the uh, the artwork on the album cover, if, if that's such a thing now, I've heard, it, may I invoke a, a little bit of uh, French here, it's whack. That's what I. Uh, that's what I heard. I think Drake stinks. Anyways, he's overrated. <clears throat> All right, he can get out of here. Courtney, do you? Because Ben's a cynic. Could, do you? Is the artwork on the Drake album a little, as they say, whack? I would agree with that. It is very okay. whack. I See? I saw it and I was like, what What's going on? What was the idea? It's not going well. Okay. So see, Ben, I'm I'm dialed into pop culture. You think I'm not? I don't even know what the album cover looks like. I've never even heard any songs from the album or either of these albums. Okay. Well, broaden your horizons, Ben. Well, Drake, your- he's one of those guys where everybody tells him he's cool, so he thinks he's cool when he's not. If that makes sense? Everybody yeah. gasses him up, and I just don't think he's very good. I, I think at a certain point, if you are a celebrity and you reach kind of uh, GIF or meme status, yeah, you... Depending on how that's going, you could be kind of lame and played out. Oh, I've, okay, all right. The pregnant girl emojis. All right. Um, yeah, isn't that weird? Uh, is he trying to say something here? I don't know. I just I think it's weird. I, I have seen that. Hey, I just hey, thought I, were... I, maybe this is what he's delivered another album. See, I didn't know that was the Drake album cover. I just thought they'd release new emojis, and it was just a big yeah. deal. It was trending for See? a little bit. He's delivered another album. All right. I didn't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> well, she's Courtney gets it. Deliver, you deliver a baby. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yes. Gosh, Courtney, help him keep up. All right. Uh, enough of that uh, pop culture uh, down memory lane there. By the way, uh, <clears throat> Faith No More back in 1990. Epic. I like that song. That, Good I, song. That's the, one, that's the one I've heard lately that we put on. Ben, I'm going to veto our third song today coming in because Maul's got to have his own song. So at the end of the show, let's come let's let's come in and maybe go out with Epic. I love Epic. That's a good song. It's a great song. Faith No More is a really good band that just kind of had the one hit. 
Yeah, I think they're they're a little underrated when it comes to those '90s bands. No, yeah, they really were good. They should have been bigger than they were. All right, uh, welcome in everybody. Uh, Patrick Johnson with you. Have been Byram, uh, intern Courtney, all music critics and pop culture commentators today. Um, we are on the eve of game day. Are you ready? Uh, pirate football about to get underway, and uh, tomorrow night uh, from uh, B of A Stadium, it is ECU. The vault. From the vault, it is ECU and uh, at Appalachian State. Uh, the uh, Happy Appies are a ten and a half point favorite. Uh, last check, Pirates uh, coming in trying to uh, get something going here for the first time in several years post the winning mark and hopefully get back to a bowl game this year. They'll have a stern challenge in the opener tomorrow. This is a really good Appalachian State team. Uh, but uh, I think ECU is going to have a good showing for themselves tomorrow, and uh, the Pirates are just going to have to be opportunistic because uh, this defense, I think, for Appalachian State is going to be stingy. Uh, and I don't think um, I don't think they're going to put Chase Bryce in a position to make mistakes. The Pirate defense could do that, but I, I unlike last year with Cutcliffe and his offensive staff making just some boneheaded calls that put Bryce in a position to to. Chase Bryce, I think, if anything, is a game manager. He's not a playmaking quarterback. You understand what I'm saying there, Ben? Yeah. He's not, I'll yeah. say this about Chase Bryce. You can kind of put the blame on Duke's offense and how it was run. and you know the Oh, he forced some throws. There. He absolutely forced some throws. I'll away. say this, though. He wasn't even good at Clemson. I, I no, mean, no, that's the no. best team in the nation. He, he was terrible there. He was awful. So yeah. I'm not going to well, defend him too much. So I will tell you this. I believe personally. Uh, that if App State uh, avoids these third and long situations, in other words, if the Pirate defense gets trampled on and gives up a lot of yards, because I, I do believe App State's going to be a run-first deal, with the exception of maybe trying to, to pop a pass and surprise the Pirates on something if they if they sell out on the run. Um, I, I really believe that is that is where ECU is going to have to gonna have to make some hay that's where they're gonna make their money on defense i think well i i think so too and i and if you could stop the run tomorrow then you got a chance but i i think ecu is gonna have to be aggressive obviously on defense uh they're going to have to limit the run but they have got to take advantage of opportunities on offense because i may just everything points to this as i've looked at this really uh hard the last several days the appalachian state defense is lights out good oh yeah and they are going to be the type of defense that, um, I mean, they might be the second best defense right now on the ECU schedule behind Cincinnati. Uh, better than and, Tulane, you think? I, yeah, I think so. Huh. You, you look at everything they have coming back. You know, Tulane doesn't have those, uh, you know, Tulane had those great down linemen and rushers and Patrick Johnson and all. But they don't. They Johnson's gone, if I'm not mistaken, right? Johnson's gone, and their their other big defensive end got drafted this past year. Yeah, so, yeah, so they're gonna be uh, yeah, I knew, there. Yeah, so I, I, now if those guys were coming back, they'd be the best because Tulane was that good. Yeah, but I mean, just with what Cincinnati has back, what Appalachian State has back, and just because I think Cincinnati's athletes are a little superior, I think this is the second best defense that the uh, Pirates will play. Fair in enough. I see your this point. Season. Yeah. So and and it's it's just ba it's predicated on experience and guys that. I mean, we talk, and we're talking a lot about the offensive guys, the receivers, the running backs, who are all NFL caliber guys, offensive linemen, but they've got some some big boys up front and some really talented guys in the secondary and at linebackers. So 
Uh, that, that to me is kind of what it breaks down to tomorrow. Uh, we're going to get to our pirate report, try to get to as much audio as possible, plus Brian Mull today. Uh, the Mull man will be with us uh, talking about, uh, do you see where the PGA finally kind of intervened and stepped in yesterday? This had been kind of long debated uh, after things got kind of going between Bryson DeChambeau and, and Brooks Kepka, who, who, in my opinion, neither are really likable. I actually find DeChambeau likable, more likable than Kepka. I like DeChambeau Ke- a little bit more than Kepka too. I'm with you yeah. there. That's not necessarily the the popular take, but I'm I'm with you all the way there. I mean, uh, well, I mean, uh, like uh, Kepka to me, there's nothing. I mean, he's a great when he was winning those majors. He's a great golfer, but I mean, just kind of a, a uh, seems like a brat. <laughs> well, a, really a little bit brat. of a brat and kind of a. I mean, just doesn't seem like there's a lot there. A little vapid. He seems like a crybaby to me more than anything. Yeah, I, I think so. And DeChambeau, I mean, I get it. He's quirky. He's very strange. But And, and I'm even going to say this. I think DeChambeau, if you take good versus good, best versus best, I think DeChambeau's got him whipped all day. Uh, okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that if they played one another in a round, a little friendly game, a little skins game that – that uh that certainly you wouldn't see Brooksy, if you will, uh, win that. But I, I think if, if you're going good on good and those guys are at the height of their powers, DeChambeau's the better – right now is the better player, I think. But they they basically have said anytime if we catch you saying Brooksy or or anything like that, you're uh, you're gone. You're, you're going to be ejected. By the way, the always anonymous text line, DeChambeau is a blank. I, I don't disagree with you. Uh, neither one of these guys are likable in my book. I just like DeChambeau because he's quirky. I like DeChambeau because he's a jerk, and I'm, I'm drawn to those characters. Maybe it says a lot about well, myself. And, well, maybe. And if you're going to be a quote-unquote jerk or you're going to be this kind of quirky guy or this guy who's going to pick the fight, and then the fans are coming, you can't let them rattle you. That's the thing to me that is most disappointing in DeChambeau, to be honest with you. He's been rattled here. By all of this, you got to be a li- like, I, I don't think the stuff bothers. Now, Kepka kind of can't. The wheels came off for Kepka when he was in the final round of the PGA with with Mickelson. He just kind of gave up and didn't want to be there. <laughs> he is a choker, too, according to the honor. Eh, he is. But look, DeChambeau, and we'll ask him all this coming up. I mean, DeChambeau, in my mind, he wins this weekend. He's the player of the year. Got Because in the super season, he's got a major. Got another victory or two out there. He's had a couple of runner-up finishes, including at the BMW. Anyway, we'll we'll get into some of that with uh, BG Mole, and uh, also, uh, do we have anything to give away, Ben? Do we have any tickets? I know we might have some some concert tickets to give away. Are we? Where are we on that front? Or is that a better to do next week kind of thing? I think we can wait, but we do have some tickets to give away. But I, I say okay. wait on it. Wait on it. All right. Let's wait till Let's after wait the next week. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on here today. Plus, I think we may have some stuff to give away next week for the game. Nice. Okay. I'm, there we go. I'm just. I'm just. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, our coverage of pirate football is brought to you by Greenville Pathology. We are part of the local community. Greenville Pathology. We don't see you as a specimen. We see you. Farm Bureau Insurance. They believe insurance is more than a product. It's a service. Local agents from right here in your backyard, and Dogwood State Bank, exceptional progressive customer service and the latest financial products 
in a cost-effective way. To some of our uh, great supporters of ECU football in the uh, 2021 season, we're excited and ready to go. Pirates and Mountaineers. Coverage tomorrow begins at 3 o'clock here. Special edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. Jay Sonholder will join us, and then we'll head out to uh, our coverage of uh, Pirate football via Pirate Game Day Countdown in its uh, 32nd year. ECU will be taking on the Mountaineers from West by, uh, from uh, from Bank of America Stadium. I was reading through the stuff of ECU and Charlotte before we went on the air in the, in the past and the, had West Virginia on the mind. Uh, but uh, ECU and uh, Appalachian State, I'm very excited about it tomorrow. Hope you'll join us. Four o'clock is our coverage. T-Cop and I will be breaking it down for you. We'll have reports from inside the stadium, from the tailgate lots. We'll hear from Coach Houston. We'll hear from John Gilbert. We'll have every angle covered of this matchup tomorrow for you right here on the flagship of the Pirates. And speaking of which, comments from Coach Houston before this big matchup straight ahead on our Pirate Report. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new 943thegame.com for the podcast of the PJ Show. Plus, what's going on with sports in Pitt County and around the globe. And the latest on the ECU Pirates. Log on today. The brand new 943thegame.com. You are dismissed. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Yes, 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 indeed. Uh, And our Pirate Report today brought to you by Bill Clark Holmes, who just made a huge contribution to Pirate Nation by purchasing the entire upper deck for the South Carolina game to honor first responders in our military. Bill Clark Holmes personifies Pirates supporting Pirates. Also, by Acre Station, local grown pork, beef, fresh and smoked sausage. Acre Station, Meat Farm, Highway 32 in Pinetown. Uh, also brought to you by Time Financing. Need money fast? The Time Financing, well, it's your personal loan specialist. Time Financing with two dozen locations across North Carolina and Texas Roadhouse in Greenville. They were just named the number one Texas Roadhouse in the nation. They have not only legendary service, but awesome awesome food. We appreciate all of our uh, pirate uh, partners and supporters uh, in uh, pirate football and the uh, year ahead as the uh, Pirates and Appalachian State get set to uh, square off for the first time in nine seasons tomorrow from inside of Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. All right, uh, let's uh, get to some of the comments from Coach Houston prior to this game. Uh, Coach, uh, talking about what a big opportunity this is this week for his program. We're facing a good football team. I mean, it's a, a team that has had a lot of success. You know, most of those guys are fifth or sixth year seniors. Um, you know, they've won a lot of games since they've been there. So uh, it, is, it, is, it is a great challenge and a great opportunity. Uh, it's going to be a good matchup. You know, I, I'm excited about the group that we have. Um, they'll be ready to play. Uh, I expect us to play very well. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a chance on a, you know, a little bit of a national stage uh, in an NFL stadium, ESPN game. Uh, you know, it's a chance to really find out a lot about ourselves uh, and to be in a situation to, uh, you know, to play against a very good program. And speaking of that big stage, uh, this is a huge opportunity, says Coach Houston, the third-year Pirate mentor, for his young guys on the roster. Well, I mean, I think, you know, when you think about it, you know, so many of our guys, you, you think about Rajay and, and, and Keaton and, uh, you know, some of those guys that, uh, you know, played so much last year, you know, they were t- they, they've never played in front of a crowd like this before. You know, 
they were in high school two years ago. Last year during the pandemic, you know, the biggest crowd we played in front of was less than 10,000. Now you're going to be in an NFL stadium in front of about 40,000 fans. So uh, it's going to be electric for them. Uh, now, they've, you know, they have the experience from last year, so I, I think they'll handle it just fine. Uh, but it, it'll certainly add to just a little. This game is a big measuring stick. Well, I think it's a, I think it's a measuring stick from the standpoint of I think that they have a, a quality team right now. I mean, that's, you know, you look at the success they've had the last several years, and these guys have been the ones playing. So I'm sure that they're expecting to have, you know, a chance to have a special season this year. So we're playing a, a quality program in the opener. Uh, we're excited about what we have. So I think certainly it's going to be something that'll it'll tell us what we have. You know, it'll tell us where we stand. Um, you know, long term, I think uh, two in-state. Uh, state-supported institutions, uh, I think it's going to develop into what should be a great robbery. As far as the game itself and uh, what you need to do to win an early season game, hey, we talked about it yesterday with Coach Houston in our Houston huddle, which you can hear exclusively here every Tuesday on the Patrick Johnson Show and Tuesday mornings in podcast form on 943thegame.com. Uh, but Mike Houston talked about it with us yesterday. Early season games, it's who commits the fewest turnovers, who makes the less mistake or the fewer mistakes. And so eliminating any kind of miscues is going to be big. Cut three. Well, I mean, I think that's going to be the key. You know, that's, that's the deal, whether you're talking about, you know, turnovers, because uh, I do think turnovers will be a, 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 you know, a factor in this ball game, you know, which team can, can uh, take care of the ball, which team can force some mistakes. Um, and I think, you know, being able to play aggressively and, and downhill like we want to defensively at the same time, you know, not not give up anything cheap. Uh, I think that's going to be critical. Uh, you know, they're they're a, they're a team that has a lot of experience and guys that have played a lot of snaps. You know, virtually every position, both sides of the ball. So, you know, that's that's a group that usually doesn't make a ton of mistakes. But you know, it's game one, so I think both teams both teams are going. It's going to be critical for them to execute at a high level. And uh, you heard Coach mention their Appalachian State, 17 starters uh, returning when he alluded to their experience, 10 of them on the defensive side of the ball. That's why I think the key to this thing for Appalachian State tomorrow is can their defense dictate what ECU does on, on offense? Uh, because you're talking about a group with uh, a lot of explosive ability, a lot of ability, however, to uh, move the chains, especially if this beefed up and improved and healthy offensive line uh, finally can get something going. In fact, you know, it's interesting. Steve Shankweiler was saying uh, here, uh, this is the first time that they've had guys, he might have been saying this a little bit in jest, but this is the first time they've had guys in double X uh, jerseys along the offensive line since he's been back here for the umpteenth time. Uh, point being that you've got some guys that have gained some mass, that have gained some muscle, and that are, that are conditioned better than they were at any time and actually look like offensive linemen. But uh, this is Mike Houston on taking on a very experienced and used to winning Appalachian State program? Well, I think that, you know, you're going against a group that's used to winning. Uh, you're going against a group that's had a lot of success. They've got a lot of confidence. Uh, you're going against a group that's played a lot of ball. And so, they, you know, they have a lot of experience in big ball games. Um, so, you know, you're, you're facing a group that has uh, all the things that you need to, to win a championship. And so um, I think that's the biggest challenge. Uh, you know, our bunch, uh, I think that we, you know, we, we, we played really well at times last year. We certainly finished strong. And I think we've shown tremendous potential. 
Um, and I'll be honest, it's, this is the, the most talented group that I've had since I've gotten here uh, because it's all the guys from last year, just bigger, faster, and stronger. Um, I'm confident that we're going to play well Thursday night. Uh, you know, the thing that we've got to do is we've got to go out and be able to, you know, consistently just play, you know, the brand of ball we've got to play for four solid quarters. And uh, because it's going to be a game that, uh, you know, in order for us to win it, we're going to have to really battle down the stretch. And so uh, I think that's, that's something that, uh, you know, we'll be impressed upon the kids between now and kickoff Thursday night. But uh, I'm excited about uh, watching our guys play. I'm excited about this game. Uh, one thing I think, because, now it's not going to be as hot. It's a cold front supposed to come through. It's supposed to be a lot less humid than it has been here in recent days. And so you're not going to be dealing with that oppressive humidity. I mean, it's still going to be early September, Labor Day weekend in North Carolina. But with that cold front passing through, it's going to be kind of comfortable tomorrow. Uh, and I, I think what you're looking at is, uh, you know, where the Pirates have had to build depth during this very hot two-week stretch where you've had temps around 100 in the heat indices in the mid-100s every day in Greenville. Uh, that has uh, allowed them to, to perhaps build some stamina, spending the offseason with Big John, building conditioning. But still, the Pirates do have quality depth, so they're going to rotate a lot of personnel tomorrow, according to Coach Houston. Well, one thing our guys are accustomed to is playing in the heat. I mean, because it's been, it's been a cooker here the last couple of weeks in Greenville. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it first games, you know, first couple of games of the year, depth is always an issue uh, because – no matter what you do during preseason camp, there's nothing that simulates a full, uh, you know, college football game. So, you know, it, uh, it is good. You know, we do have depth up front on the offensive line. We do have tremendous depth on the defensive line in the secondary and at linebacker. Uh, we have depth at running back. We have depth at the receiver position. So it is a situation where we should be able to rotate some guys and keep them fresh, and that's the plan. We want to play a lot of people. Uh, now, that being said, I've told the, the players, you know, we want to play a lot of guys but they got to earn the right to get on that field. And so, you know, this, is, this has been a big week from a standpoint of guys, you know, showing that they can be trusted, snap in and snap out, uh, and so, so you can figure out your rotations. And then uh, Blake Harrell, uh, let's talk to, hear from him really quick here. Pirate defensive coordinator, cut 14 on the vast soundbite roster, Courtney. Uh, and this is uh, Blake Harrell, Pirate defensive coordinator, talking about the energy that his unit needs to bring tomorrow night. I'm excited about just the opportunity to have fans and, and playing at Bank of America Stadium and playing in front of a, a crowd, an ECU crowd, and, and uh, be my first time that I get to experience that, really. I mean, you look back last year, the pandemic, you really never got that kind of a stadium, that kind of atmosphere. Um, you know, and, and the kids will feed off of that. Uh, I think we bring, you know, last year was always bring your own juice, and we'll continue to do that, bring our own energy, and we'll have that environment but I think we'll feed off the fans as well just the energy they bring and the excitement they bring uh, but at the same time once the, you know you take the snap one that that's not really your focus anymore it's hey getting a call you know get my execution make sure I align all those type things going to play there and just get back to our fundamentals. Pirate offensive lineman Sean Bailey uh, echoing that sentiment as far as bringing the energy or getting the energy from the fan base uh, so our legal drinking age uh, cut here 21 and this is Sean Bailey talking about the energy he anticipates from uh, about 40,000, maybe more, in the fans, uh, in the stands tomorrow night, which will include a lot of purple and gold. Uh, we learned last year that energy 
can make or break a team's momentum, and having at least 40,000 of our fans there is going to give us a huge boost that we're really pumped about, and we're excited to have the uh, environment back that we've had in the past. Cut 23 here. Xavier Smith says he is uh, fired up, and uh, that game adrenaline is pumping. Like Even if you make a, a bad play, you know, the fan gives you a reaction, so either way you're going to have that like kind of adrenaline in you. But especially like if you make a good play, I feel like you forget about all your fatigue, all your tiredness. So hopefully we can go out there and make some plays and just feed off each other's energy. And Xavier Smith says he's excited about the Pirate D. I mean, I'm excited. You know, I'm really excited about our defense this year. So I really just can't wait to play. You know, I'm not even nervous. You know, I've been working hard for this. Like, we've been working hard for this moment. So, like, nervous is when you lack preparation. I feel like we're prepared. This is uh, Xavier's uh, advice to the younger Pirate players. Come to work each and every day. Um, I didn't get here by BSing. You know, I grind. I try to do what's best for the team each year, you know, playing tight end, so switching different positions. I just try to come to work each and every day, put an example for the young guys, you know, that anything can change in a year. All right, and this is, uh, this is Holton Haylers. Uh, he talks about his maturity and development as a college football quarterback. Um, you know, I've been through a lot more. Um, I know what to expect. I know what to expect with you know, just the little things. Um, and then just help prepare the team now more than prepare myself. You know, I know that I'm going to be prepared now. So how can I help those guys get prepared mentally and, and stuff like that? But, um, you know, we, we're all a veteran group now. You know, those guys up front have played a lot of snaps, and the guys out wide have played a lot of snaps. So it's good to have guys that, around you that kind of have the same mindset as you. All right, that's today's Pirate Report. Ben, you ready with an update? Let's get it. I'm ready. All right, here we go. Ben Byram uh, with an update for you, everything going on in the Pirate Nation and beyond. Uh, we, we, we went through our list of cuts yesterday. I don't know if that had been announced formally, but uh, a local kid got waived. Uh, ben with some deets on that and also maybe some other roster moves. Will Greer got picked up today. Uh, plus everything to get you ready for tomorrow's coverage uh, of ECU and Appalachian State here on the flagship of the Pirates, 94-3 the game. Here's Ben. Thanks, Patrick. We're officially one day away from Pirate football season opener against App State in Charlotte. Not too long ago, Mountaineers head coach Sean Clark had this to say when it came to his personal scouting report on the Pirates. I think they really came together and they really buy into what Coach Houston's selling down there. And I think it all starts with their quarterback and Holton Aylers. And, and he really looks more comfortable in the pocket. And the offensive line, they play a lot of football together. And again, being a former offensive line coach, those guys have to play to be good. And um, their receiver, Sneed, I mean, he's one of the top receivers in the country. Music fan, golfer, writer, soon-to-be podcaster, Brian Mull joining us here. Patrick Johnson Show, midweek visit. Hey, Brooksy. <laughs> nope, that'll cost you. You're, you're gone. Uh, Brian Mull from the Caddy Network and uh, other outlets. Uh, you know, finally the PGA kind of stepped into this yesterday. Before we get your reaction to the PGA Tour, I, I just want to know what was your feeling on this? For those that don't know, of course, Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka have the greatest sports rivalry in all of sports right now. F uh, fair or unfair? Is that a, is that a, I, I, I believe that's firmly the case. 
Well, if you measure it by social media interaction, right. which I guess is how we measure everything now, <laughs> right. then it, it's number one all time. It's right up there with, uh, you know, Redskins, Cowboys, Ali, Frazier, uh, Duke, Carolina. Yanks, Sox. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. Um, but um, let me just say this. Um, you know, we've seen DeChambeau a couple times melt down as the fans of the galleries uh, go kind of against him with the, hey, Brooksy. Uh, chant or the Brooksy shout, uh, mashed potato or whatever, which I mean, if you're at a, at a golf event and you're shouting after a guy hits a ball or, or whatever, you're a dope number one. Uh, but, but two, um, so, you know, we, you and I talked about this. I don't know if it's on air or off here. When, when, um, Nicholas was coming along and Palmer, who everybody loved, uh, Nicholas started to beat up on Palmer a little bit. It was it was the the the, the game's truest gentleman, Arnold Palmer, who stepped in and said, "We're not going to have any of this nonsense from the galleries, from the patrons." Uh, this time, and look, Kepka's about as likable to me as as the gout is for some people. <laughs> so, I I kind of like Deshambo from the sense I think he's interesting. I don't think Kepka's terribly interesting. I think he's a little bit of a meathead. Um, so, all right, just give me your 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 take on the whole thing. Yeah, it's just interesting with Kepka. Like uh, three or four years ago, when he was winning majors, uh, he he didn't really want to have much of a profile. You know, his brand was the fact that he was at, almost flippant. You know, nonchalant, uh, didn't care about the regular events, but showed up at the majors and had a different gear that could take him to a victory. And then now here in the last couple of years, you know, he's had some injuries, some downtime, I guess, speaking with his people, trying to reconfigure his brand, the tour offering this $40 million, whatever the case may be, he's kind of trans, you know, changed his whole persona and really, uh, you know, just enjoyed kind of poking the bear and, uh, you know, going on social media and offering to buy people beers and uh, rolling his eyes. And, yeah, we've seen all the various videos, but, yeah, his golf, while still very, very good, and he still does rise to the occasion in the majors, uh, he hasn't done quite as much on the golf course. So that part of it is interesting. I agree with you. Um, there's a part of me that feels for DeChambeau to, to have to hear that every single tournament. Um, and I think you make a great point with the Palmer correlation because at that time the game was growing because of television and because, because of Arnold's persona and swagger. And it was in doing so a lot of, uh, new fans, uh, blue collar fans, if you will, were coming to the game, maybe fans, you know, of other sports and Arnold was trying to let them know that that's not, we don't conduct ourselves here like we do at, at a Steelers game right. or at a foot, you know, at a baseball game or whatever, this is a different environment. And I think that's, what's always set golf apart for better, or for worse. Um, you know, there is that a gentleman quality to it. We see less and less of that. Uh, now it makes for good headlines, but are they the right headlines? I don't think so. I don't think it's been good for golf in any, any way. I think it's just a distraction. I mean, I think that what's good for golf is DeChambeau and Patrick Cantley trading blows and battling down the stretch. And, we, and we've had several of those tournaments. Uh, that's what makes the game great. It's seeing those battles in, in the big events. 
Brian Mull, Caddy Network with us. Basically, if you're caught uh, shouting Brooksy, or, or I guess anything, but specifically Brooksy at DeChambeau, uh, you're, you get the heave-ho. You're gone. And that's, yeah, from, and, that's, and that's from the tour. That's the PGA Tour doing this. Yeah, that's from the commissioner himself, uh, Jay Monahan, uh, saying that, um, you know, that this is this just goes against what we expect, what we say right there, that anyone being disrespectful, uh, it's on the ticket, that you will be grounds for removal. And we consider this disrespectful. His name is Bryson. You know, you're calling him Brooksy. It's a taunt, whatever. The fact that it's, uh, you know, promoted, was started by one of the other players is just really a wild dynamic, unlike anything we I can ever recall in golf. Uh, certainly this is a new age uh, in many ways. But uh, DeChambeau is one of a handful of guys, love him or hate him or whatever, who moves the needle. I was at a local uh, burger joint on Sunday afternoon with my family uh, watch and the golf was on, the playoff was on, and, and people were wrapped, young kids, older people, because of DeChambeau's presence and wanting to watch him hit it. I mean, and, you know, there aren't many guys on the PGA Tour that are – Patrick Cantley doesn't move the needle like that even if he wins the FedEx Cup this week. Yeah, absolutely. So what is Kepka's complicity in any of this – does he bear any responsibility to to tamp this down, a la a la Arnie, or or no? You would think he would, um, but see that goes back to him. He's just not a likable guy. He's an aloof, you know, meathead. I I, I just I don't think that there's. It's just not in his personality to to do that. I mean, of course, he's probably chasing the forty million with the social media interactions. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would think the tour. Uh, I'm sure that Bryson's people reached out to the tour, which prompted this decision. I mean, it certainly wasn't made in a vacuum. And I would imagine that the tour people, Jay Monahan perhaps personally, reached out to Kepka or his folks and said, you know, you're going to be held responsible if you're instigating any more of this. We, you know, we would actually like for you to, to, to try to quiet it down. And, um, you know, this is not what we had in mind when we came up with throwing $40 million out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know what they had in mind. And, and, and then, then, you know, along those lines, they said that they were going to keep it secret who gets the money, which to me is just hilarious. That's, that's strange. Um, Brian Mole, Caddy Network. Of course, we've got uh, in Atlanta this weekend, uh, the uh, the final of the uh, PGA Tour playoffs, Cantlay starts this thing with a two shot lead. Uh, do you? There, there's been some chatter in golf media circles, uh, especially in the last week, that there ought to be some strong consideration to to rotate this event, not necessarily play it in Atlanta every year. You know, they were in Baltimore last week for the first time in 60 years to to great success. So uh, what is your thought on that? And, and I actually like the idea, an idea I heard. Let's make it a West Coast thing occasionally so it's prime time. If we're going to finish the season before football, let's do it. Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of West Coast golf for that very reason. Um, I feel like either the U.S. Open or the PGA Championship should be played out there basically every year, um, guaranteeing us one major in prime time. I don't see why not. Uh, this time of the year, I mean, we saw what happened uh, the last couple of weeks 
with thunderstorms, uh, certainly uh, anywhere along the eastern seaboard or, you know, the eastern third of the country, that's a major issue. The heat and the humidity are, are, are pretty, pretty relentless. Uh, Atlanta got some, uh, you, know, you know, effects from the hurricane there last week. Uh, I mean, earlier this week uh, from, from Ida and um, have, uh, you know, bumped into that kind of problems before. I think it would be great to move it out west. Uh, I think it'd be great to move it around. Atlanta has been a, been a, been a huge, you know, part of the tour's success through the years. They don't want to take that event away. Huge market. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, I, I, we're so East, you know, the players with three, only three tournaments in three weeks. Now they, they don't like the idea of having to travel out West for one of those weeks. I understand that. But if you made the tour championship, the, the last week of the season right. out there, I don't think you have a problem. Um, yeah, I think it's a great idea. Again, West Coast primetime golf. Let's do it. There's already going to be a lot of competition with college football and some marquee games cranking up this weekend uh, for eyeballs. They should do everything they can to uh, to try to try to capture what sliver of the market there is out there. Uh, Harold Varner the third. Before we talk about the event, obviously uh, not participating. Uh, but uh, another pretty, well, I wouldn't even say solid. I'd say really an excellent season for, for Harold in a lot of ways. Uh, as far as uh, banking FedEx Cup points in the super season, had a second-place finish. Uh, does he have an opportunity now to uh, maybe work on his game, recharge the batteries more so than he's had in years past where he almost had to kind of jump back out there uh, almost immediately? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year for Harold. Uh, newlywed with a baby on the way. Um, certainly a, a game changer for, for any of us. And uh, he, he may uh, find uh, that he, he wants to be a little more selective with his, with his schedule going forward. So he has, has a little bit more time at home or he may like uh, the, the way that uh, the way he's got it going. But I mean, you look at his season 44th in, in the FedEx cup, uh, career best finish. Um, like you said, runner up uh, had the, Premier year ball striking, a few more putts, and it really could have been special. Made over $2 million, uh, which gives him over $8 million, uh, for his career. And, um, you know, he, he's trending in the right direction. There, there, there are a lot of uh, his peers who would like to trade uh, career arcs with him right now, uh, although, he, you know, he's yet to get in the winning circle, but uh, that's difficult. Um, yeah, I think he can take a deep breath. He played a lot this, you know, last few weeks. Certainly, trying to get into the top thirty and gave it his best shot. A great finish up there outside of New York, and I, I would imagine, uh, you know, a week or two recharge the batteries. But I'm, but I'm, you know, there's a lot of good money and points to be made in the fall when some of the superstars are taking extended times off too. Yeah. So I think a lot, of, a lot of guys look at that uh, that window as an opportunity to uh, to jump start it. And uh, like I said, maybe he'll be a little more selective in 2022 uh, after he becomes a father. Maybe so. Oh, you're playing it now. Uh, Brian Mould, goodbye to you. Are we rapping now, Ben? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, we're getting ready to go. Oh, okay. That's I didn't cue. get your hand signal. I thought we were breaking and then coming back. Anyway, this is fine. This is uh, epic from uh, Faith No More in 90. Kind of blended rock and hip hop on a on a level back in the day. Red Hot Chili Peppers. it up Peppers here a little bit, Ben. Red Hot Chili Peppers kind of took their thing and ran with it. Yeah.
All right, what do you think of this, Courtney? It's Give me your not opinion. It's the new Kanye West album, but it's not the it, new- it, it, it works. <laughs> Basic Courtney. Uh, don't call her. Don't be nice, Ben. All right, uh, thanks to Brian Mahomes. Uh, hey, don't forget tomorrow, 3 o'clock, our coverage will begin of ECU at Appalachian State. And 4 o'clock, the fastest two and a half hours in radio for Bush Light Pirate Game Day Countdown. T-Cop and I will be narrating you into network coverage. We'll see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock for the kickoff of Pirate Football 2021.